Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast about getting unstuck in the areas of faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility so that you can live a life that is beyond the rut. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, Kevin White is going to join me to talk about audacious generosity. He's going to share with us his story about how he started a church, following his passion to be a pastor, and then found himself fired from his own church by the elders of that church. And from there, as he struggled financially to support his family and he was praying for support, he had a mindset shift that changed everything. And that led to audacious generosity. So sit back and relax and listen to this conversation. Here we go. All right. Hey, Kevin, thanks for calling in from Morrisville, North Carolina. How are you doing this morning? Jerry, I am great. What a beautiful day, and it's good to be on your show. Thank you so much for this honor. Oh, yeah. Pleasure to have you, and uh, thank you, Eric, for making the connection here. Uh, Always great to have a good friend connect somebody with us. And uh, kind of the power of the warm introduction, too, because when Eric recommends somebody, I never challenge it. I'm like, it came from Eric. The answer is yes. <laughs> and then, then it's like, okay, what did I just say yes to? Oh, yeah. Oh, even better. That was, that was a great fit. So, like, Eric does his homework before he even makes the connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a podcaster out there and, and a Christian, then consider joining the Christian Podcasters Association. Uh, they're a group on Facebook, but they also have a website, ChristianPodcastersAssociation.com. Uh, and if that's not right, then drop the S, so Christian Podcaster Association. But I think it's Podcasters. Anyway. I'll look it up after. I'll put it in the show notes. There we go. <laughs> there you go. All right. So the reason why we had you on is you just released a book called Audacious Generosity. And yes. uh, it talks about not just giving like a tip to a charity or a tip to your church, but like really living a lifestyle that is about giving. And mm-hmm. to some folks that right now we probably already lost them. Other folks mm-hmm. are probably thinking, wait, this isn't the Kevin White who plays in the NFL. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, he's not even the guy who skateboards professionally. This is Kevin White, pastor. Uh, I said it in the introduction. Please stay with us. Um, and, and Kevin, by the way, I probably have ADHD, so you're going to see me all over the place. Um, That's fine. But with that said, uh, you know, one of the things that this show is about or the thing this show about is about is helping people live unstuck in their lives, especially in the areas of their faith, their family, their finances, their fitness, their finances, and their future possibilities. And audacious generosity to me uh, really hits the nail on the head in two big areas. Uh, Number one is their faith, you know, Mm -hmm. that I trust in a higher power that Mm -hmm. is going to provide for me because I am allowing myself to be a, a, a vessel or a channel for those resources to go to where it's needed most. And then our finances, because when you do live a lifestyle of generosity, um, I found uh, just in what I do give and what my family gives is that it really forces us to manage the remaining amount much more wisely uh, and never putting the, the giving part on the chopping block when it comes to making big decisions. And, um, you know, that's come up in conversations with families in the past and it kind of freaks people out. Like, wait, why are you still giving when you guys are you know struggling here? Or why are you still doing this when you should be doing that? Um, so, For our audience, can you just briefly describe for us what is audacious generosity? 
Yeah, yeah. Great question, Jerry. And uh, yeah, please come back if you are wanting to tune this show out because of the G word, uh, the giving word or the generosity word. Please stay with us because God really does desire to bless his people. Jesus promises it is more blessed to give than to receive. And yet uh, most believers, including myself, uh, bolt from that subject. Um, yeah, uh, giving is um the word giving is used more in scripture than the word prayer or faith. Um, and we really need to understand what God's desire is for there. Um, in just a few weeks, I'm going to be sharing a keynote address, uh, the, the gift of opportunity. And so often we look at generosity as an expectation from God, but yet it is an opportunity from God. So let's just break down. I want to answer your question. Audacious generosity. Audacious is a, uh, adjective that describes um, taking a bold risk. And so uh, it is risky to deny ourselves when we are in need and to put others first. But we serve a God that if we will allow him in order to bless us, he will say, what about others? Uh, because if our life is spent, let's say we, we have a great life, 95 plus years old, okay? But it's all spent, consumed on ourselves. It will be a shallow life. Um, a full life is spent investing on others. I mean, Jesus's mission is that he came to seek and to save those who were lost, not to just make a good name for himself, not just to build a great church. Uh, he, he came for others and we serve a God. If you're going to be a Christ follower, you're going to have to take a path of putting others first. And so generosity is the character of God. It is, um, the, uh, the, the characteristic of, of being kind and plentiful. And, um, and so you put those two together and we take surprisingly bold risk to live kind and plentiful, um, being a generous person like God is to us. It applies not just with your finances too. I mean, I'm thinking right now of the, the term, the servant leader and, um, but it is again, that outward mindset. It's that, you know, my needs are going to be taken care of. Uh, now let me pass what I've got resources, time, money, um, other resources, items, goods to where it's needed most because I'll get more. It's just stuff. And, uh, you, it, it, I read your story and listened to a couple of interviews you've done, uh, in other shows. And one of the things that, uh, really surprised me and, and it should not have being, you know, a believer since, oh geez, 2005. Um, and having seen stuff like this, but to hear your story about, I mean, you, you'd been a pastor and have been a pastor since I think your early twenties and, uh, fast forward, I guess, what, 20 some odd years later, there's a church that you're leading that you founded and the board votes to, to kick you out. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a church that you founded. It's like, what? This is my house. I built this house. Why are you kicking me out? And you found your, your family, yourself and your family going through a, a financial struggle. And you had this profound mindset shift. Yeah. Jerry, thanks for doing your homework. That's an honor to me that you would um, read the book and, and listen, listen to those uh, stories. Uh, so, yeah, 30 years old, found myself as a church planter. Uh, my wife and I have been married uh, 10 years. We had three children, Zach, Courtney and Kaylee, and we have been working in 
um, planting a church for three years. And it was really successful in that uh, we went from zero, our family, through to averaging 100 in attendance three years later. Um, that's obviously not the mega churches of today, but in that time, 20 years ago, it was one of the larger churches and in, in that group of churches that we were serving. And um, we began to have conflict and, and it was, there was no embezzlement of funds. There was no sexual impropriety. It was that I was a maniac workaholic for Jesus. Um, I really bought into the lie as a leader that if it is to be, it's up to me. And my 40-hour week became 50, 60, 70, 80. Uh, I nearly killed myself, killed my, nearly killed my marriage and my family. And um, fortunately, the leaders of this church uh, loved me enough to dismiss me as pastor. And it was really um, one of the first train wrecks of my life. Uh, career-wise, um, and and it really broke me because it forced me uh, to deal with some uh, things that I had really been building up to my my whole life. I mean, um, it really started. I found as as I processed this uh, a couple months into it, it started back in my childhood. My dad loved me, but he would scream, "Kevin, you'll never amount to anything!" When he he would get angry at me. And so here I am, a 30-year-old, subconsciously trying to prove to my dad I can't amount to something. And so no offering was enough. No attendance was enough. No no event uh, was enough. It needed to be bigger and better the next time. And uh, so I just continued to work um, my my butt off. And, and so um, two months after this forced termination, I'm on a plane over to India. And I, I'm all of a sudden worshiping in thatch roof huts without bulletins, without bullet, uh, uh, budgets, without technology, and yet such a powerful sense of his presence, of God's presence. And I saw orphans with no sandals and no toothbrushes. But if they knew Jesus, they exhibited true, genuine joy. And I'm coming back to the U.S. to my own pastor's kids who had every happy meal of life and did not have that kind of joy. And it broke me there because it was really my first encounter with the value of God's presence. When you don't have anything like uh, this was 1998, so over 20 years ago. At that point, even there was there was no mobile phones in India, so they there certainly wasn't a 911. And if your baby got sick, you had to start praying, or that baby's going to die. And God would show up because of that fervent prayer. Um, you saw a group of humble believers who had nothing materially in life, but they had the presence of God, and they pursued that. So on the plane ride back, I drew out two crosses. The first cross, I just crucified all the good things I've been pursuing in my life to do something great for God. That's not a bad thing, but but it, it replaces the, the best thing, which is to pursue the presence of God. So even when we were going through that hellacious moment of the conflict with our leaders, I was praying for the power of God. I was praying for the peace of God, but I wasn't pursuing the presence of God. Mm. And that was the dysfunction. The greatest dysfunction of my life was really wanting all the qualities of God, but not really pursuing his presence. So on the second cross, I just wrote, the Holy Spirit led me to write, 
the presence of God. And from that day forward, that became my purpose for living. It became my mission statement, my philosophy of ministry. And so now, two, two, year, two decades later, uh, we've seen miracles like the feeding of the multitude. Um, we went into a time without food. And that's, this was two years after I went to India. And and our um, this was really I look back as a as a God imposed financial hardship, and it really tested us. Um, and it I I was free in Christ to really um, process what God would have me to do in that moment. And I kept really sensing Him call me to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And that's where I really began to understand His heart to bless us to a place of what about others? So here we are. I have a family of six because we have a foster son at that time. Family of six living in an affluent area of North Carolina on less than $500 a month. And food ran out. And I'm praying. And and God just kept giving me his compassion for other people that needed food but did not have the faith that he had given to us. What about others? What about others? What about others? And taking me to like the miracle of the feeding of the multitude and just really convicting me, if you will feed others, you will eat as well. And that's what happened with the disciples. They fed over 15,000 people in John 6. But it says when everyone had their fill, they they collected 12 basketfuls yeah. of leftovers. So the disciples surely ate too. And God just really promised in those quiet moments, you will you will eat too. And so I started praying a prayer that really the Holy Spirit had to have birthed within me. It wasn't in my human logic to pray, Father, give us food that others might eat. And within a year, we went from a family needing food to feeding over 500 families a month with the help of 25 volunteer families. And it's called today with love from Jesus Ministries here in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. It still exists. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Show to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Yeah, and that is so amazing that, again, that shift from please feed my family to, you know, please allow us to feed others. Mm -hmm. And it was in that moment, like, you go to the grocery store, like, that day almost, uh, give or take a few days, and you discover the 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 clerk at the grocery store getting ready to get rid mm-hmm. of meat, and you're like, hey, what yeah. happens to that meat? And she, you know, tells you, it's really still good, we just aren't allowed to sell it anymore because of the sticker date and all that, but it could really last a couple more weeks, and, and you made that arrangement to have that supply to you, and then you're like, alright, so I've got the supply, where do we give it? <laughs> and so, you know, 
fast forward those five years and now you've got, you know, 500 families and you've got food coming in. And uh, I remember when I was in a men's ministry at my church in Corpus Christi, Texas, before I moved to Dallas. Um, that men's ministry really started because there was one woman who had kind of, her husband had cheated on her, kind of kicked her out of the home. She was now in a new apartment and needed furniture for herself and her two kids. They had pretty much nothing. And within a matter of hours, the men in our church uh, gathered furniture and furnished and clothed that family within, you know, within those hours. And then all of a sudden that became our ministry. And it, it was just funny, like, Every time there was a request, the storage room was empty. The one where the request came out, the storage room was filled. We're like, where'd you get a nightstand? And they're like, I don't know. It turns out I had one in the garage. I cleaned it up. Here's the nightstand. And it works perfectly fine. And someone else was like, we bought this thing like a year ago, never used it, but here's a bed. And so it was just that kind of thing. And that went on for years until finally, you know, we, we closed up shop. Uh, but it's just really neat to see those things. It's like, it's not about us getting all these things. It's about us, uh, serving others. And then really, as you had described with the two crosses, like we're giving, we're crucifying all these things that really don't matter. They're just shallow. They're, they're things like I will still live with or without that thing. And what I really want is that presence of God and knowing that I'm emulating, uh, the essence of his kingdom and, and sharing that with other people. Uh, here on earth. And, um, to me, that's just much more fulfilling than, you know, pursuing, you know, the, the office C suite, the, you know, the, the, the nice car, the clothes, the, the, the house on the hill, like those kinds of things to me really never matter. And I, I know folks where those things do matter. Those status symbols are everything. Yeah. And, uh, they're, they're always struggling. Yeah. So I wonder, you know, how does generosity connect those dots between, that attachment to stuff versus that pursuit of God. Yeah. Well, forgive me if I offend you or anyone in your audience, but um, God has never, you can look in his word and he never says it's, it's an either or either you go after stuff and you miss my kingdom or you go after my kingdom and you miss the stuff. He has never said it's an either or, and we act like he has. Yeah. And, and that's where we have a problem with giving because we think the, the, the creator who made not, who made everything out of nothing uh, is limited to what we can produce. And, and so, so if I start giving away what I can produce, then I'm not going to have anything. And and that's the lie that we buy into and that really builds a wall of resistance around around the goodness in our heart. Because if, if you've been born again of the spirit, the goodness is in you. It's, you know, the, the Lord is good and, and his spirit is within you. But we can we can begin to put fences around that goodness and say, but but what about me? Uh, you know, the spirit says, what about others? And yet our flesh is saying, what about me? And and so, um, yeah, the prosperity gospel gets a bad rap because that that's where people have actually began to boss God around and have a spirit of entitlement. And all of that is filthy and it reeks of 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 really the glory of the Lord. Um, but nowhere in his word does he ever say you will either focus on the kingdom and have nothing or you can focus on material things. And and not have the kingdom, and and we serve like one of the one of my 
favorite verses today for some reason is Matthew seven eleven. If you be an evil know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more does your heavenly father love to give good gifts to those who ask him? And right there's just an exposure to the father's heart. 2020, we had our first granddaughter. Um, and, and that little girl has captured our family's heart like nothing else. And it was a great stress reliever in the midst of this global pandemic. And I just praise God for, for this gift. And, and so uh, I have three beautiful children. Our son is married. And, and so we have a, uh, a, um, a daughter-in-law. And I love my family. And I love to give them good gifts. Don't dare tell me that our Heavenly Father doesn't have an even bigger heart toward you and me. And, and so we that's where audacious is. Audacious is I'm not going to worry about my material wealth anymore. I'm going to let my Heavenly Father do that. But do we just realize what we're surrendering? We're surrendering to the most richest person in the world, to the good. I mean, what Moses saw when he said, Father, when he said, God, show me your glory. He saw the goodness of God. He saw the name, the power of God. He saw the mercy and the compassion of God. God could have said, let me show you all my cattle. Let me show you all my wealth. Let me show you all these stock rooms in heaven for the blessings for my people. But what he showed him was goodness and mercy and compassion. And and so generosity starts long before we crack open our wallets or give God our bank accounts. And and so, yeah, we surrender um, our our needs over to our Heavenly Father so that we are free to go focus on on others. And like... um, I've eaten very well. I mean, like, like when we started praying, Father, give us food that others might eat. We did not go one meal without food while other people got to feast. And that's what we fear. We fear that other people will start feasting and we're going to shrink down to nothing because nothing, no one is now feeding us. But again, we're talking about surrendering over to, to the, the father of the universe. Um, and, and so like, like we, we turned in order to feed, um, the, the public, we got to a place where we couldn't make our van payment. Uh, Because, again, just because the food happened didn't mean that bills were starting. We had money to no one was giving us a paycheck. And here we are now for for, you know, feeding all these people. And uh, we lost our minivan. We had to turn it back over. I, 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 with dignity, I walked the keys back into the bank manager's office and laid them down and apologized and and gave that back over over to the bank. Um, Three years later, we had given away 25 cars. (laughs) Um, I mean, it it was through with love from Jesus ministries. It wasn't like I personally had the title to all these 25 cars, but, but now, now we own my car is completely paid for. And, and my, my wife's car will be uh, paid for in just a few years. And all my, all my children have cars. Um, God's not anti-material possessions. Uh, and and yet none of this has been in a name it, claim it, God, you owe me type of attitude. Um, you know, we, we need to revolt from an entitlement. That's where that's where the prosperity gospel gets uh, us into trouble. But 
if the gospel is not prosperous, why are you and I doing this podcast? I mean, why why are we why are we seeking to be evangelists or to to expose the glory of the Lord? I mean, the the gospel is absolutely prosperous, but it it can either spoil us or it can it can make us more like Jesus. Um, and that's audacious generosity. Like we are no uh, like it's been very well said. We are most like Jesus when we are giving. Because 27 miracles, every one of them was Jesus giving. Every single one of them. It was nothing to do with him taking from people. He was giving every single miracle that we have recorded, Jesus was giving. Yeah. That just reminded me of the uh, the temptations he faced when he was in the desert for uh, 40 days. Those were all about him taking care of himself. Yes. Yeah, use your power to take care of you. Yeah. Use your, your favor to take care of you. And he's like, mm-hmm. no. Yet, yeah, yeah, as you point out, the miracles that are recorded are all him helping somebody else. Even the, the first one, the water to wine thing, that, that was for other people to enjoy wine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 And I no, we shouldn't wake up tomorrow and say, God, where's my 12 pack? You know, or where, <laughs> where, where's my fifth? Uh, you know, um, and obviously uh, I'm, I'm, I don't make an issue over alcohol, yeah. but, um, but, you know, we, we should realize at the very same time, we we will never, ever become a cheerful giver like that verse about God loves a cheerful giver has always made me feel um, like a failure right out the gate. Because mm. there's been times in my life I was anything other than cheerful about giving. Um, but we'll never become a cheerful giver until we first experience God as the cheerful giver to yeah. us. And yeah. Matthew seven eleven makes it pretty clear that he has a heart. And even in the prodigal, the story of the prodigal, if you really look like, like we focus on the bad attitude of the elder brother and, and the sin of, of the prodigal. Well, look at the heart of the father who Jesus is telling us this story to really show us the, the father God in the midst of sin. He, he rewarded the prodigal and so one of the one of the um the chapters in my book is reprimand versus reward and it's all about expectations because you can't really become generous if you're expecting god to reprimand you every time you turn around (laughs) Um, and so you've got to come to a place of realizing the father's eyes are on you to reward you not to reprimand you the blood of jesus has stopped the threat of reprimand and if you are alive in Christ, the Father can only bless you. He can only be good to you. That doesn't mean you're not going to continue to mess up and sin. We yeah. all do. But but look at what the Father did to the prodigal. He he his eyes were on him, not to scold him and spit on him for the sinfulness of of, of the the evil in his heart, but to reward him for for coming home. Yeah. For for the those for pursuing the father, yeah, per, and he restores that prodigal son too. Yeah, yes, that prodigal son comes home and he restores him back to uh, the estate. That yeah, yeah. Um, now, as you go to India, to, uh, so you've you've seen uh, God, you know, work through you to do audacious generosity um, in in feeding five hundred families. But now you go, do you go back to India and serve there for a number of years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, after, so I worked with with Love from Jesus Ministries and founded and and started that for seven years, and then um, 
started a business and then our church called it, called me to go on staff there. And, um, I, I was taking some, uh, my children over to India. That was one of the answers to prayer that I prayed on that very first trip. I prayed, father, let uh, me bring all three of my kids over to India to show them your work here. Wow. I wanted them to see the lack of material, but the, um, but, but the favor of God's presence. And, um, and so three years later, went back with our 11 year old son, Zach. And then three years after that, our 11 year old daughter, Courtney, and just had this hobby of taking these teams over. And then when my church called me to come on staff, um, and, and help them, um, uh, one team a year became two teams, became three teams, and it just blew up. And yeah. three years into being on staff, I had to make a choice. Either I was a, they were about to launch a campus and I was going to be the campus pastor or um, or I would need to focus on Global Hope India full time. And um, I, I really felt God calling me to the pastors of India yeah. to, the, to serve the church there. And so that was 10 years ago. And in the last 10 years, I've now been to India over 50 times. My parents never had a passport. I mean, talk about the generosity of God. I've flown now over a million miles, 27 different countries. I've been to India over 50 times, taken a thousand people with me. And so like, like talking about generosity, meaning more than just um, giving like uh, 50 times and very little of it's been out of my own bank account. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the ministry's raised support for, for me to be able to go over and do that. But, but I could have just focused on me going to India, but God really, began to convict me about inviting people to go with me. And now we've taken over a thousand people over to India uh, with us as an organization. And I've seen, it's really been India where I've seen the power of generosity yeah. uh, to, to really bring forth the kingdom of God. Like there are villages, whole villages. So in India, there's 700,000 villages. There are 400 with a recordable um presence of a church, a pastor, um, the gospel, and then 300,000 that still have no church, no pastor. Right. And so there are a whole like, like neighborhoods, if you will, of villages in India that will not allow a pastor to come in. So India is 70% Hindu, 20% mm -hmm. Muslim, and less than 5% Christians. And so you go in as a, as a, an evangelist, as a, as a church planning pastor, and you're going in to try to, um, share the gospel with people, they'll throw rocks at you and run you out of oh, the village. Wow. They won't, they won't have anything to do with the gospel at all because traditionally they're, they're Hindu, but you take those same people, a free medical clinic and offer them free medicines that they really have a tough time having, uh, otherwise, and they will, they will, they will open up their, their community hall, uh, their hearts, everything. And you can go in and be a Christian. You can, you can share the same gospel that you were seeking to share with them. And you can even pass out Bibles along with the medicine. And all these seeds can be planted for, for the gospel. But what they saw was not you wanting to proclaim and preach down their throat. What yeah. they saw was your goodness of your generosity. And, and it captured their heart. And then they open up their hearts to you and they will receive the very same Jesus that you were trying to preach to them uh, because you first of all demonstrated him. 
to them. And that can happen in a volleyball tournament. It, there's a lot of creative entries, ways, um, but it's it's all generosity. It's, it's just realizing that um, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Right there is his mission. So he gave Jesus, but his strategy has always been audacious generosity. And so for 20 years, I've been staring at the 1040 window and the the country of India predominantly. So 7 billion people alive on planet Earth, 4 billion have access. So you're in Texas. I'm in North Carolina. There's a church on every corner. Um, we can hear Jesus on our radio and on yeah. our TVs and all of that. But there, there are... Um, in, in the USA, this is one statistic that blows most people away. There's one believer for every one and a half people. Obviously, they may not all be um, obeying the Lord equally, but but they, they would consider themselves a, a follower of Jesus. Yeah. In India, there's one believer for every 18,000 people. Uh-huh. And so um, that's the 1040 window. Um, so that there's 3 billion people still alive today with limited to no access to even know who Jesus is. I mean, we can't comprehend, but you can literally go through the vast majority of India and one after another, you just meet people who have never, ever heard the name Jesus, have no idea who you're talking about. And um, they, that's the 1040 window, 3 billion people that have limited to no access. And so I cry, I, I lay awake at night um, and I cry out to God for the salvation of these people. And I'm like, how will this ever happen? And I really believe um, that he is just pointing out in his word that his strategy has always been audacious generosity. And so where are the people that will say, give me houses that others might have a roof over their head? And where are those people that will say, give me Bibles so that I can share 100,000 Bibles with, with people in India that have never held one? There's yeah. a billion people in India that have never, ever held a Bible in their hand. Never. And they'll have no hope of holding a Bible unless people, uh, believers, will believe that God is big enough to feed their family, take care of them, and through their life give a give hundreds of thousands of Bibles to people that that have never held one. Yeah, I, I like that you point out that it's through that generosity in India and anywhere really where somebody might open up to knowing who is Jesus. What makes you different? What? Why are you doing this? Is probably the way you would hear it. Why are you doing this? And it, it reminds me of what a friend of mine once said in, in a talk he gave. And it was, uh, for, for a lot of people, you might be the only Bible they ever read, or you might be the only example of Jesus they ever see. And it was it was a call really to living your life uh, differently than the rest of the world does. And you know, yeah, when you look at the example of Jesus, you know, he's giving his miracles again are for others. And you know, his sacrifice wasn't for himself. You know, he he was going back to heaven no matter what. Uh, but his sacrifice was really so that we could all go with if we believe in him and we can go with. And so for those listening who are like, so what is what's the big deal here? Why does it matter if three billion people don't know Jesus Christ? Well. If you look at it from a worldly perspective, then yeah, that makes sense. Well, three billion people, they have the right to uh, believe what they want. Yet for, you know, Kevin, myself, and other Christians, uh, we're talking about eternity being at stake for those three billion people. So if we believe in a God who uh, is ready, willing, and able to give you eternal life, but you got to be willing to believe that and accept the gift that Jesus 
gave, which is that cleansing of the sin so you could be in the presence of God, how much of a jerk would we need to be to not give that gift to other people and not present that gift to other people and share it with others? The, the power to choose is still in the other individual who doesn't know Jesus yet. But what kind of jerk would I be if I didn't let you know through either the show or through my interactions with you out in the street or at work or, you know, assembling with my friends that this is who I am and yeah, this is who I believe and this is what guides everything I do. And, uh, the byproduct is here on earth. I've got a different perspective on life and, uh, eternal life. I, I'm connected with the presence of God and it's so different. And, um, so I I was going to lead from there into the next question is like for an individual, what's kind of in it for them to live a life of audacious generosity. I am pretty sure it's not, you get a nice new car, uh, but you know, what really is to gain by living a life of audacious generosity? Yeah. Not just knowing God, not just reading miracles in the Bible, but actually encountering God and experiencing those miracles. Um, you know, I can say that I have experienced a modern day miracle of the feeding of the multitude. Uh, can you say that? Can we, can, can everybody in the audience say that? Uh, that doesn't mean look at Kevin White. I'm not boasting on myself. I'm saying, mm-hmm. uh, look at God and look at the possibilities, look at the opportunities there. But just experiencing God, uh, realizing that uh, we were not created just to know about him. Uh, but if you look at the point of the Bible, and, and this is something that is really pounding in my heart um, today in 2021, after coming through uh, the pandemic, uh, I had COVID back in November is very mild symptoms, but you know, we just, um, we, we just had to, to, um, sort of mourn as a nation over uh, half a million people dying and lots of lots of suffering happening and everything and and so um, the whole point of the Old Testament the the point of creation the Old Testament the Psalms the into the life of Jesus the gospel into the New Testament is the presence of God experiencing the presence of God he's been on a mission to bless us with his presence and and so uh, if you if you and I you know, pray the sinner's prayer. Father, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I, from this day forward, I choose to follow you. And then we build fences around that presence, and we say, um, you know, you 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 can't you can't be who you are. Then we're going to start limiting the presence of God in our life. And so, the full expression, like like, uh, there's been several things that have really happened in my life because of my turbulent childhood and everything, I really had to allow God to to give me his gift of courage. Uh, I realized after doing a study of courage, he's never ever asked us to ask him for courage. Every instruction is to take courage. And so, and so, you know, you have to, you have to be willing. And I talk about that in the book to let the Holy Spirit give you courage. You got to take it. Um, it's their offering. He is offering it to you, everyone equally, but you've got to take it. You've got to yield not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. You've got to yield to the spirit. Um, and, and, 
and surrender over to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a spirit of courage. And so um, uh, courage will well up within you as the Holy Spirit wells up within you. But then that courage afforded me freedom in Christ. I I really processed setting God free. Um, And that by by that I mean like giving him access to do what he wants to do to be who he says he is and to do what he says he will do but then um, setting myself free um, forgiving myself uh, of, of things and and really processing freedom um, and and just just um, not not limiting what God could do to me and through me um, and, and there being no barrier there, but then setting others free. Like you can't be, you can't take a generous spirit of God into you and then be racist. Um, yeah, exactly. It's just, they're, they're diabolically opposite. And so, and so you, you can't, you can't um, be a generous uh, person and have all these discriminations toward people because the Holy Spirit's whispering, what about others? And if we're sitting there saying, but I hate people, um, we're not going to really start manifesting the, the very presence of Jesus Christ himself. Um, there is one verse that, that really points to our future of where we're heading here about this whole thing about the point. And that is Matthew, um, Ma- Matthew 24, verse 14. Um, it says, the good news of this gospel will be preached in every nation and then the end will come while god is offering everyone the opportunity of salvation um he can't control uh whether we will make the choice or not yes there's predestination and all that but i'm just meaning um he has he has orchestrated this free will in in the midst of his sovereign plan of pre of of predestination we'll let him solve that okay um but um but the point is, it's access. Um, his he is he is a God that is determined to provide access to every person on the planet to give them the potential to receive Christ. If they refuse, then they refuse. But he is. He is on a mission to provide them access. And so when everyone on planet Earth has access to the gospel, then and only then the end will come. It won't be COVID. It won't be an asteroid coming from Mars. It won't be um, some other type of nuclear war. The end is going to come when access is fulfilled. And so there is a global initiative now to finish the task of the the great commission that Jesus has given to us um, and to provide that access even even um, you know, 2033 would be 2,000 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. And so, um, you know, there are churches around the world now that are joining this finishing the task initiative to really seek to provide access to every person on planet Earth before 2033. Yeah. I love, even if that's not the year that the end comes, a lot of work is going to get done in in the name of the God's kingdom. It's going to be awesome. Um, so you have the book, Audacious Generosity. You have your podcast that launched recently, Audacious Generosity Podcast. Uh, where else can people find you if they want to connect with you? 
Yeah. Um, so you can go to kevinwhite.us and you'll see the two charities there. Uh, you'll see the resources. Uh, we just launched in February a Generously Blessed subscription series. It's a one-minute motivation, uh, um, a e- personal email that goes into your inbox Monday through Friday, and it provides a short one-minute video or one-minute devotional to really take this um, mammoth elephant size message of audacious generosity and bullet down to a one-minute nugget that you can really meditate on uh, on a daily basis and and just really empower you to a life that's generously blessed by God. So I'm really excited about that resource, and uh, you can find it all at kevinwhite.us. Awesome. And uh, in honor of uh, Brandon, if somebody was just in the Morseville area and wanted to visit your house, what's your home address? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Don't answer that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you almost gave the address away. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no one's yeah. ever given the address. Uh, uh, but well, Kevin, would, thank you so much for a true friend anytime. Oh man. That's that's a good, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, very good to have you on the show and I, I appreciate you so your time much, coming Jerry. on here and talking yeah. about the freedom that comes from being generous. Yeah. Yeah. God bless you. Thank you. Check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com/261. There you'll find links to the book, Audacious Generosity, Kevin's website, as well as some related past episodes about living with an outward mindset, serving others, and just seeing your own life change as a result. Now, the best way you can pay us back is to pay us forward. So share this episode on your social media channels with a friend, a family member, a coworker, or that neighbor across the street. We'll thank you for that. In fact, they'll probably thank you for that. Now, I'm, I'm glad you joined us this week, and I look forward to joining you again next week. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.